Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode number 75. Today we're with Glenn. How's it going, Glenn? Hello. How are you doing, guys? And as usual, we've got Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rahan. How's it going? This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily and securely access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. The configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. So, Glenn from Belgium. Yes, indeed. That's what, like, two episodes in a row we've had Europeans on? That's great. I know, I awesome. know. It's, it's, I, find, I find it comes in waves. We've got Europeans or yep. just... Australians, Australians or North Americans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's usually I think I think lately we've been on a been on a uh, bit of a kiwi kick too. I think we've had a mm. couple lately that are uh, it seems to be picking up around here to be honest. So uh, a lot of friends of mine in my Twitter feed are mm-hmm. picking up home assistant so Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot Everyone of in lockdown they want to do yeah, something in... Everybody's doing something so why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so cloud strikes again Rohan, here we go. It does. It does. So uh, Ben emailed us uh, to let us know that Loop uh, in the UK is pulling support for reading electricity and gas meters for for their electricity monitors. So if you use that, uh, you will be getting affected. So it looks like it's as of November 13th, a couple of weeks out as of the time of this recording. Basically, they're shutting it off. So Home Assistant will not be able to retrieve that information. So it's called, it's from a company called Loop Energy Saver, which was bought by Trust Power in 2017. And according to their message, basically, um, it's been challenging for their small business. And basically, they've had to make some difficult decisions because of the pandemic, so on. And uh, basically, they got affected by that. So, which is, which is unfortunate, but uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't read the full, full message, but uh, Phil, I don't know if you got a chance to, but it, it sounds like it was just another victim of uh, COVID, unfortunately. Exactly. It's It sounds like they're running, you know, an old server somewhere that's costing them money. They're not making any new money because their new products don't use that server anymore. So it's sort of like, well, we're hemorrhaging cash in this pandemic. What can we do to cut yeah. costs? And Unfortunately, those customers on old technology don't mean enough to this company. So bye bye. Yeah, yeah, and 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 to some extent, I as as much as I'm usually like, you know, I hate you. I I kind of get it. Um, when you're when you're bleeding, you kind of have to do whatever it takes to stop the loss, right, or stop yeah. the bleeding. So it is it is what it is. Um, but yeah, uh, and it just sucks that you have to take out a like if you want to continue using it, you have to buy the whole new product. So. And I'm not sure if that works with Home Assistant either, which is quite annoying. Yeah. But I wonder, maybe it'll be like something, it sounds like something the European Union can solve, sort of. Uh, I think there's a lot of companies that are, you know, cloud only at the moment. And when stuff like this happens, what's the what's the recourse for customers, right? Like we've seen this with plenty of devices that we've had over the time. So I think, you know, something needs to change here. I don't think there's a an actual law or structure for it. Unfortunately, so yeah, that's a I'm shame. I'm sure if the Europeans can do it, they'll do it, right? Because they've got the <laughs> probably we would. Uh, what yeah. we've seen in Belgium is that that because it, it's for electric electric uh, meters, if I'm correctly. Mm-hmm. So in yep. Belgium, we are transitioning to something that uh, the government is actually doing. So there are going to be smart meters for every home. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and you yep. need to upgrade, and 
apparently they should be open to get some data out of it. So I'm wondering in the future if we will be able to integrate those. Uh, for the moment, I don't have one yet, but they're transitioning them in Belgium to get every home nice. upgraded to those uh, smart meters. Yeah, That's actually yeah. really neat. Yeah. Actually, uh, someone that listens to the podcast uh, here in Melbourne, Adam, we uh, met up recently in COVID lockdown and he gave me a, a Rainforest Eagle, uh, which is a little device that connects to the smart meters uh, around the world. Uh, so we here in Victoria have our smart meters and they use uh, Zigbee to communicate uh, back to, you know, the power companies and all that, as well as the internet. Mm -hmm. And I was actually able to set it up. I've got it now running. Uh, so it uses Zigbee to connect to my smart meter outside uh, and I get cool. real-time information. So hopefully in Belgium they'll do something similar. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. That's because interesting. I have no clue. I have no clue what my... <laughs> <laughs> where everything goes from my electricity yeah, to be honest exactly so. right? yeah yeah same it, it's it's kind of just a black hole i get yeah. the bill saying you owe this much i'm like oh crap okay yeah again yeah exactly <laughs> right right exactly so it's uh and 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 i got an electric vehicle that's that's going up too so that's uh, that's always fun <laughs> all right a custom component that is uh what we're sad to see go is the custom header uh, so Ryan Meek, who created the very popular custom header component, has made the difficult decision to stop working on the integration. So for those unfamiliar, uh, there's obviously the Lovelace UI, and there's a whole bunch of add-ons and custom cards and all that you, that you can install either through the Home Assistant Community Store add-on or manually. And one of these was the custom header. It would basically allow you to do some finer tweaking to the menu item in Home Assistant, you know, change the colors, make it smaller, make it more mobile responsive, anything, like a lot of customizations you could do. Unfortunately, uh, Ryan has said, I, I, you know, it's become this, you know, huge, big repository. It's an absolute mess of code. And the next Home Assistant release, which I'm guessing is 0.117, which we're about to talk about, is going to break uh, custom header and custom header will actually be a cause of performance issues for Home Assistant. So with that uh, started out as a simple project to make the header smaller, uh, ballooned into a bloated uh, monstrosity you see today. So I think, Ryan, thank you very much for all your work. Uh, and I know that since the start of Hacktoberfest, he's actually been working on adding a lot of the custom header features into core Home Assistant so you won't require mm -hmm the custom component anymore obviously it's not going to be completely feature parity from the get-go but it is good to see that rather than just you know abandoning it and, and leaving it out there he's actually come along and you know he's starting to add these contributions back into home business so ryan thank you so much for that yeah and and also appreciate the messaging there too right um, yeah just rather than just <laughs> leaving it and letting it die and then yeah exactly like, uh it's not working and and you know it, it's a much better way to do this um so appreciate the uh transparency there ryan too all right let's talk about 0.117 um so this is the first hacktoberfest release um and there's some new features as expected so jumping right into it scriptimation yaml editor if you use the automation ui in home assistant now you can go between UI and a YAML editor. Um, so if you don't like the way the UI editor works, you can just flip it on, there's a little, uh, the three buttons and you can just hit edit as YAML and off you go. This is actually really cool. I like that this is sort of bridging the gap between you know features that may be missing in 
YAML mode yeah. and the UI mode sort of thing. And I guess particularly making it more easier for people to share automations created from the UI. Yeah. I know people, you know, may necessarily want to go in or may have not have access to their YAML files all the time. You know, if you're at work and you've got remote access to Home Assistant and you want to show someone, oh, this is my automation in the UI, you can't, you know, easily export it. But now you can just toggle into the YAML mode, copy it, and then give it to someone else who can then paste it into YAML mode and then go back into the UI and, and change the entity IDs and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. That, well, exactly, right? So it it makes that whole code contribution, or not code contribution, but config contribution a lot easier uh, as well. So with with UI mode, so, and you can always mm. share pieces of it and obviously remember to scrub it. So yeah. if you're any personal data on there too, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think, you know, that's pretty neat. So the the interesting handy. thing for me that I, that I would like to know what it, how it will manage uh, multiple uh, files. So if you split up some different parts of your automations, like I do normally, mm-hmm. so if it will understand that it has to merge those again. If well, you this is for the, the automations that are created through the user interface itself, which I believe are just are still in, in the automations.yaml. Yeah. 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 So it won't, if you're using packages or if you split it up, I don't think they'll be supported. Probably not, no. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 again, it it is. I think this is the first kind of way into this as well. So who knows? Maybe maybe Glenn, that may as as Home Assistant evolves, that may be something that uh, mm. that gets taken yeah, that in as be, well. That would be nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, a new feature that I am absolutely loving this, and I didn't even think, uh, like in my wildest dreams, that I would love it as much. But I'm very familiar with Visual Studio Code, and I know a couple of. People out there love Visual Studio Code as well. But there's a new feature in 0.117. If you're on a desktop or a computer, you can use uh, the shortcut codes that are familiar to Visual Studio Code. So Control P or Command P on a Mac, and also Control Shift P, Control Shift, sorry, Command Shift P on a Mac. They'll bring up a quick access uh, bar, which will allow you to, you know, quickly access entities so if you want to turn off a light in the living room you can press Control p then type in light.living room or just type in living room and then from there you'll get the card to control the living room entity and i do a lot of uh restarting resetting reloading automations and all that there's also using the shift option so command shift p you can then use access services to reload scripts reload automations all from within any page in the Home Assistant UI. So you don't have to go in, you know, configuration, server configuration, and all that sort of jazz. So handy little trick here, and I think this is a fantastic addition. That's actually really cool. Yeah. if uh, yeah. Especially if you're used to, again, Visual Studio and, and you know, mm. coding and that kind of stuff. It's That's, uh, that's kind of handy. If you're not, then it probably won't be, but... And remember, if you're below that version, you will get the print dialog. So <laughs> yeah, don't press that. <laughs> I can confirm because I just realized as I tried it, I was like, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I was just trying it in the background, like print dialog. Like, right, I haven't upgraded to one one seven just yet. So that would do it. Spotify URIs can now be sent to Sonos players, so um, that makes it that much easier to you know stream music on your Sonos from Spotify. That is awesome. It has been a like one of my pain points, like to have to, I'd always have to add things to a Sonos favorites. Mm-hmm. So I could then tell Home Assistant to play like a playlist. 
Because okay. previously, if you wanted to play something on Spotify on Sonos, I think you had to do some crazy either add as a favorite or something else, right? Really? Okay. But yeah. Oh, I, maybe I didn't look into it hard enough, but adding like the ability to just send in these URIs to Sonos is going to be so much easier now. That's actually handy. So, so in a case like this, Home Assistant would grab it, push that URI, and just essentially force Sonos to play that. Yeah, it also gives like continuity. So you could send the same URL that you would send to maybe like a Google Cast or whatever mm-hmm. other media player you've got, mm-hmm. even the Spotify media player component. It doesn't matter if you're casting it to now a Spotify media player or a Sonos speaker, it's the same URI and it will just play on the right platform. I, I feel like every time I talk to you, Phil, I find that there's a restriction about the Sonos platform. <laughs> oh. it, just, it, it, it kind of makes me happy that I just bought Amazon uh, Echoes all over the house. You know, I, I understand that, but I actually are quite, I'm very happy with my Sonos system. I think yeah. it's, the way it integrates with Home Assistant is fantastic. There's sure there's some quirks like this that are now resolved. Yeah. But if you want to play something on your Amazon Echo devices, right? Yeah. You're going to have to use a custom component. It's going to be fiddly. You're going to have to authenticate. Yes. All that sort of stuff, right? And then, of course, if Amazon decides to restrict that those APIs in the future, you're, you're up sh- shit creek, basically. Yeah. Whereas with Sonos, you know, their idea is that you know, they are a network media player. So far, they have been sort of keeping their APIs standard and they're not taking them away. Yeah. I know there was some concern that they might be doing that. I don't think that's the case, though. I think they would get a lot of backlash for it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm, that, that's, a, that's actually a really good way to look at that, too. So I didn't think of it mm. that way. I actually did something similar just recently. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have, have, still have a huge uh, offline uh, yeah. list of, of music. So it's digital, but still it's offline. Um, but I also like to play a lot of uh, Spotify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was unable to merge those two, you know, like it's, it's, it's been crazy. They always have to shift between different yeah. uh, software types and everything. And, and now I recently installed Forked DAP. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that. It's a small uh, media server that you can put on a Raspberry Pi. So I'm now also running it in Docker on my Intel NUC. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, it just... It, it listens on your network to all AirPlay devices, but also on yep. all Chromecast devices. I'm not sure if Sonos is, a, is available. I'm not sure. But uh, all the others are. Um, and then there's an integration for Home Assistant. And then you can just say, okay, uh, fork the APD, just play this. And then you can select which player that you want to stream it to. So, and because uh, in Fork DAP uh, website, you can say, I want to have integration with Spotify, then all your playlists mm-hmm. and library comes in there. Mm-hmm. You can point to a local folder, so all my music uh, gets uh, integrated there. And you can also put in stream links. So if you have online radios, um, they, yeah. they broadcast their links. You can also add them there, and then you can even have radio streamed to any player that you want in your house. That's cool. So yeah. you would select like a, an Apple... Uh, audio, what are they? Yeah. Sorry, what are they called? Uh, so the home you can select AirPlay as a target, and it will play on those AirPlay yeah. compatible speakers. Indeed. And you can also, um, yeah, multi-broadcast. So you can say, I want to play on those three, or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, or toggle between them, or set the volume, anything, and all from Home Assistant nice. now. So uh, it's very nice. I like it a lot. Yeah, we'll have to leave a link in the show notes to that for people if they want to check that out too. All right, great. Yeah, 
And 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 do you do you typically like how do you? Oh well, we get, I guess we'll get to this later. But uh, just just to kind of short circuit it a little bit, just because I'm curious right now, uh, and I have no patience. Um, <laughs> do you do you uh, typically use your phone to drive that, or do you say uh, do you have it linked to your Amazon Echo or something, saying hey, play this on my Chromecast no, or no, whatever? No, for the moment, I'm I'm still manually uh, starting. Things, yeah. So, what Fork the APD normally also should be able to do is integrate with the remote app on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we are very Apple minded here at home for those devices. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, I have a Denon receiver and it allows AirPlay, so that's the connection to play. Um, but unfortunately, because I'm running in a Docker container, I'm, I was unable to link that up. Right. But still, there is a website that you can open and see your whole collection and trigger that. And then it will start playing on any AirPlay receiver that you want. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I've I've, I've heard about it. I've, I've read into it, but I've never uh, I've never actually tried it myself. Right. Yeah, so there's a there's was... a very good. Um, maybe I'll I'll send it through to you later. There's a very yeah. good YouTube uh, explanation about it uh, by James Peterson, and it goes mm-hmm. through the whole setup and all the, the things why he loves it and everything, and uh, it and just does all the installation, and you can see what he how he. Uh, done it on a raspberry pi so nice that's uh, awesome yeah and we can we can stick that in the show notes as well so yeah. all right so back to 0.117 uh we've got a new media player repeat set service so i know a lot of a whole bunch of different ways that you can actually toggle this in home system previously and a lot of different integrations will do similar or in different things so there's now a standard repeat set service so if you want to repeat a song or repeat a playlist make sure that the music never stops it can now be done uh, and I believe the first one that uses this platform is actually Sonos. So oh, there uh, that's you go. good to see as well, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, another feature added uh, this release is a new Xbox component. So we know there's a, there's been a PS4 component in, uh, in Home Assistant for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so Xbox is now joining that party. Um, so uh, Jason Hunter, who is actually on uh, episode 47... Uh, has created this uh, component, which is awesome. I, I've actually seen, uh, or I've heard a decent amount of buzz about this already. So Yeah, it's uh, been everywhere, right? Yeah, <laughs> so I was actually thinking of adding it uh, for my Xbox, and I just started picking up my Xbox again. So I was like, okay, cool. This, this is also why, Glenn, I was saying earlier, I've been going to bed at like 3 a.m. every day. It's not because <laughs> I was doing it's anything productive. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just because I've been, uh, I was like, you know what I should get back into is playing my Xbox. So. <laughs> Um, actually, actually, there's actually one thing that we don't have yet at, at home, having an ex- Xbox or any other. Product. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't, only have a Wii, so for the for the small uh, <laughs> girls at home. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's it's probably better. Uh, <laughs> Understandable. But uh, you know, it's, it's it's actually pretty handy. So today, I actually drive it all through uh, my Amazon Echo and my Harmony Hub, um, mm. which is which has been pretty handy. But uh, this is actually really nice to see. So I may uh, I may give this a whirl, but. You could do, yeah, some crazy uh, Amazon intent skills. So you could do like, you know, hey, Echo, play, I don't know, Big Bang Theory on Netflix or something. And you could have the Xbox mm-hmm. open up Netflix and then open up this. Because there's a full remote control available. Yeah. Um, so all the buttons on your controller are available to be mimicked from Home Assistant. So you could then, you know, press up, down, whatever the code is to get the search box in Netflix and then type in Big Bang Theory, find the first result, play it, and away you go. Interesting. Yeah, that's true. Cause, but that would be a hard, like, mapping, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. And if Netflix ever update their UI, you could accidentally start playing something, and then you'll get 
something completely wrong in your recommendations for the rest of your life. I, I'd be more worried about now Xbox changing their UI because they change it like, man, it feels like weekly. Well, no. So the integration allows you to specify, I believe, the app name. So you, oh, it wouldn't matter perfect. where, um, okay, okay, where in the interface Netflix is, you would it specify, would you know, open this app or open this game from Xbox. That's very neat. Okay, that is really cool. Mm. Nice. Yeah, might be something um, to play with. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, new button that I'm really happy, and another thing, it's one of those small things, right? It's a dismiss all notification button in the notifications dialog. So there's that notifications dialog in the left hand side of your yeah. home assistant. If you've got multiple uh, notifications, it's a pain in the bum to have to go in and press dismiss on all of them. But now, right at the bottom, there's that little dismiss all button. Just makes things neater. I feel like I feel like this should have been a WTA uh, month of WTH. Uh, uh, maybe it is. Like, I, I hope. Uh, get, yeah. Right. Surely that would be something that would be in that. Yeah, because because I've also wondered that in the past. I'm like, man, why why can't they dismiss all? <laughs> so that's great. Um, persistent notifications and TTS can now be configured for notifications. So uh, that means if you're adding it to notification groups, things like that, you can actually just uh, toss in a persistent notification or text speech in there too. It doesn't have to be a separate service call, which is uh, really nice, actually. When I started using alerts, I always wondered why I couldn't do like a, a TTS as an alert, right? Because it wasn't a, a notification platform or whatever. Yeah. And now that this is in, it actually is going to make alerts so much more user-friendly, I think. So that's a great contribution. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually use the, and I apologize for saying it, that's what it's called, uh, the Alexa <laughs> Media integration, uh, which is a custom component that comes in. I have to use two separate lines in my configuration, one to send a notification to my uh, to the companion app, my home assistant companion app on my phone, and then one to simultaneously also get my Amazon Echo to say, you know, back doors open or whatever it is. Mm. So um, that'll make things a little nicer, I think. So. Yeah, much nicer. Yeah. yeah, that's also one of the advantages of those of that uh, forked DAPD is that it allows uh, TTS on mm. all devices. So, like my Denon receiver doesn't has, yeah. doesn't have the implementation, so it's yeah. not implemented yet. Uh, but because of this middle thing, it can uh, do it for you and streams it to any device now. So that's actually really neat. Yeah. What's the TTS provider that it uses? Is just like Google Translate. The or one, something? yeah, the one from Home Assistant. So, but you oh, configured right. from okay. Home Assistant, so because it's uh, it has a, a plugin in Home Assistant, so yep. you do the TTS there and then sends it on. Yeah, it's on. Perfect. That makes sense because yeah. then Home Assistant converts it, sends it off as a file or yep. whatever. Yeah, as an MP3 actually. Yeah. 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 All right. Some breaking changes, and uh, as usual, there's heaps, but we're going to give you some highlights. The first major change is going to be regarding templates. So this could or could not affect you. I use templates a lot throughout my Home Assistant instance, and I haven't found any issues yet, touch wood. I'm sure there's a random automation somewhere that is going to be affected. But essentially, the return type of templates has changed. So generally before 0.117, a Home Assistant template could return just a string. So now you can do more than that. So you can return numbers, which I guess to some people might be the same. They're actually treated differently when it comes down to that level. And they can also return lists. So this is going to be great if you want to build up a group of entity IDs. I know I ran into this issue when I wanted to do uh, my grouping of speakers. I wanted to dynamically mm -hmm. choose which speakers would be part of my Sonos groups. 
Uh, and to do that, I had to create, you know, scripts for each speaker, you know, group in this speaker, group in this speaker. But now I can just use a template to build out the list of, you know, all the media players that should be part of that group and pass that into the media player turn on service. So this is going to be a great little feature, but it does come with the caveat that there may be some parts of your template somewhere that are returning uh, the, you're expecting returning a string, but now may change that type and it may have a an effect elsewhere. So just when you're upgrading, just go and check out as many of your templates as you can, make sure they're still working as you expect them to. Right. Also, the Cloudflare component has uh, changed a little bit, so it's now got to be reconfigured through the UI. So if you have it set up through YAML, uh, you will need to remove that config uh, and uh, bring it bring it back in with the UI. Also, it'll now use API tokens, which is actually a lot better way of doing it too. It scales a lot better. So yeah, if you need to update your records and things like that on Cloudflare, that's how you do it now. And Australian Bureau of Meteorology, or as us Aussies call it, the bomb, has been removed as a component from Home Assistant. It did use web scraping, which, as we've talked about on previous episodes, is no longer, uh, or is pretty much frowned upon now by Home Assistant. It's no longer officially supported. Mm-hmm. So that component has had to go. It really sucks that the bomb doesn't have a, a nice API that Home Assistant can use. I would love to use the more local weather here instead of having to rely on the dark sky, or which is going to go anyway. Or yeah. I think it's YR No or whatever flavor we have to use now. Yeah. Um, but hopefully that will be moved over to Hacks. I'm hoping it has. I'm, I haven't seen it there yet, but if it is, uh, I'll be reintegrating that. Yeah, hopefully that works. But... All right. Uh, Glenn. It's uh, it's all about you. Finally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your uh, your home assistant journey. Um, how long have you been using it? How'd you get into it? That kind of stuff. Yeah, well, so um, when my wife and I got together, eventually we had the plan to uh, build our own house. Huh? Mm-hmm. So uh, we did. But I, was, I mean, IT. So mm-hmm. I program whole day. <laughs> yeah. So I also wanted to have some of uh, of our things being automated already, but that was 14 years ago. So there was not a lot on the market, or it was closed circuit. Um, and we went with expensive. one. Expensive. Yeah, indeed, very yeah, expensive. Very. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, yeah. But still, we did it, <laughs> and we selected Bitticino for it. So Bitticino is an Italian company, um, and it's now also uh, merged together with Legrand. Um, I think it's big in, in Belgium also. But uh, at the time, we placed a central core unit that could uh, trigger all our lights lights already. So uh, being using that. Uh, but from in the beginning, there was a, a configuration site we had to do from Bitticino themselves. So we could say, right. this toggle for that light um, now, but I could switch that. So you could say, no, today this toggle will turn on that other light or anything else. Mm-hmm. So the toggles were separated from the lighting. So that was also a big win. And the other big win was that we could integrate some sensors in it. So in our hallway at the front, if someone comes up at the door, the outdoor lighting already automatically goes on. So when it's dark, because it also has a luminance sensor, so that was the things that we did in the beginning, but I was unable to integrate it with anything else. So I always had to use the Pitachino website. Right. Yeah, and that for the software, for the core component, and that was it. And what sort of technology were they using? Were they like 
Z-Wave, Zigbee, or were they using some proprietary? It's it's a no. It's yeah. It's their own uh, net standard. So it's called mm-hmm. Open Web. Uh, you can find it on uh, Wikipedia. It's it's mm-hmm. completely documented. It's a it's a bus system. So the um, it's actually string tokens that go around, and uh, each yep. component picks it up and sees the token to see okay, do I need to do something with it or anything? Um, and as time progressed, because it's an open uh, protocol, uh, many people did some integrations with it. And the first one I found was OpenHAP. So in mm-hmm. 2017, a good friend of mine, uh, Nico, uh, was doing a lot of stuff with OpenHAP already and was telling me about it. So that was the first time I bought a Raspberry Pi, actually, <laughs> a Raspberry Pi 2. And yeah. uh, I've set it up and it had a uh, Bitticino integration. And uh, actually, since then, I was able to control my lights also from other devices or talk to it through uh, Siri on my iPhone. Cool. So yeah, that was a big leap for us because now everybody in house could just shout <laughs> to yeah, turn yeah, on yeah. lights or do anything. Uh, so that was a, yeah, that was a big leap forward. Um, but to be honest, OpenHAP is not that easy uh, at that time, I, right. I think. For us programmers, it's, it's okay, toggling uh, with the files and anything. Uh, but even at that time, it was very strict so i still like yaml a little bit more to be honest (laughs) yeah even though you have the indentation but but the open app Mm. filing is 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 even more strict i think so it's not that easy and then um yeah so by random luck i guess i found uh, home assistant but uh, the big no-no there was that the Bitticino plugin was not available. So <laughs> I oh. had to search I had to search for one. Uh, even on Hacks uh, at the time, it wasn't available. Mm. And then there was a GitHub uh, repo that I found that uh, had the integration. Um, and it actually worked. So yeah, since then, I jumped chip and uh, went from Home uh, Assistant. So, and of course, with Home Assistant, because the community is, is very huge, I was able to integrate a lot of other stuff that was around the house. So now my te- television, the Chromecasts, uh, my receiver, uh, everything, my alarm. I have a very sure alarm, yeah. so we can now toggle that. Uh, it's amazing. Of course, b- because you're toying around with it for years, <laughs> you also upgrade. So I went from a Raspberry Pi mm-hmm. 2 to a 3, then to a 3 with an SSD uh, boot. <laughs> and now nice. I... And now I think for a month now I'm on an Intel NUC because, um, um, of course, then you start playing with Docker int- uh, instances and then uh, I'm running MB as a, a media player uh, mm-hmm. for my movies and such. Uh, and I was running on a separate Raspberry Pi and I thought, now I have the Intel NUC, so let's put everything on that. <laughs> yeah. So now it's running uh, several Docker containers on it and I needed some more power, so yeah. That's, that's cool. my journey, actually. That, yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. I, I, you know what? This is and and it, maybe I've come across it before, and and I haven't just noticed. But uh, this is the first time I think I'm hearing of Fettuccino. And uh, yeah, so it's I'm, very European, I guess. To be honest, uh, yeah. But yeah. the good thing for me, the good thing is that we we already set upon that by constructing the house. Is that now all my lights are already. Mm-hmm. In home assistance, you know, I don't mm. have to put an extra hub or, or use special bulbs or anything for yeah. that. All the lightings are just inside of my home assistant. And there were also several other things. So in our uh, bathroom, we have a fan uh, because if it gets the moisture gets too much, uh, yeah, we put yeah. on a fan. Um, and also now, because of the integration with home assistant, I can automate that if it, if needed. So um, put sensors in the, in the house that automatically puts on the fan if needed. So all thanks to the 
the fact that we already selected for a central core system to do all the automation that was okay. nice. That's awesome. So how does that communicate with Home Assistant? Is there like a, a hub or a bridge no, somewhere? No, so the, the, the core component of Bitichino handles that. It's actually a, a web server um, and that triggers all the open web commands. So uh, only. So does that go up to their cloud or is there no, something? No, it's completely no? local. Yeah, there's no okay, cloud great. connection at all. So I don't need uh, internet connection for it. Everything still works. But the only thing that you need to do uh, because it's just on your network, yeah? it's just mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a TCP uh, protocol, so uh, nothing special. But you need to convert the commands to their uh, commands, of course, and that's why somebody needs to write and plug in for Home Assistant. So, uh, and just yeah. recently, I switched to a newer one. Um, it, it's created by Julien. I think he's from Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did a great integration. So because uh, the previous one was in completely in YAML, and you know, you guys, you know that the home system is trying to move developers yeah. over to the UI integration parts. And Julien said, "Okay, let's do a rewrite." He done a complete rewrite, his own implementation, and now it's completely in the UI also. So it picks nice. it up that you have a bit of Chino um, server running. Yeah, and I just have to click, click, and it's all, all integrated. So it's amazing. That's awesome. The, the, the guy did a great job. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's even for Bitchino, there's even a client for Mac and and PC that you can start up, and then it just scans the network, and then you see all the the commands going by. That you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can see if I press a button, you see oh, it's that command. So you can just look it up and use it if you want to. So. That's really nice, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were a very open protocol for that, so that's, that's cool. yeah. yeah, yeah, basically a built-in debug mode, if you want to call it yeah, that, yeah, right? Indeed. Which is yeah. which is really nice. <laughs> that's also awesome. Yeah. 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 And of, uh, what I also have is in, in several rooms at the, the first floor of our house. Um, so instead of having, how do you call it, ter- thermostats, so mm-hmm. the things that toggle yep. the, the heating. Yep. Yeah. So normally what, what people would do, it turn them manually. Eh? In your room, it's too hot, you turn it down. Or if you have a smart uh, dial, uh, you can set it to a temperature and it will turn it yourself. But what Bitticino has done, it they put those uh turns on the valves themselves uh, so they are in the garage and then several rooms have small thermostats and it will monitor and uh, now with home assistant i can set the temperature i say okay for that room it needs to be 20 and as soon as it's above 20 it turns the uh, the valve down so that the heating goes down so you don't have to do anything with your radiator mm-hmm. so it's on the pipes itself uh, so that's amazing yeah. That's actually really handy because I know even like like for for us I have like in my house I have a central heat system right but yeah. uh, so I forget what the actual proper term is but you know uh, forced air or whatever so but even with us I mean I have an Ecobee at home that I use um, and it's got the remote sensors or whatever but even then is it's not like I can't say which warm room, like, this room up to yeah. this temperature okay no no that's right? not no, true that's not a, that's not possible for me either no no yeah I just oh, can't. okay no no what I, the, yeah the the interface allows it but still because mm-hmm. i'm also working with one central unit is that that you the central unit still needs to have one temperature set got it so even though yeah. if i want to have it to 25 in a certain room like the bathroom it's not possible because the central heating will only go to 23 or something like that so that's that's still annoying. Yeah, and yeah. that's because at the lower floor we have uh, floor heating, and and floor heating right. is not that good if you uh, change the temperature too much. It needs to be at a steady pace uh, mm-hmm. to be uh, uh, well. 
Um, and that's why. So maybe in the future, if I put in a new a new uh, heating system, maybe we can have two separate uh, um, meters to have a one for uh, the top floor and one for the down floor. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, floor, floor heating, I'm fairly... Uh, if I remember correctly, it's pretty inefficient too, just in terms of its energy usage and stuff, yeah. right? So yeah. how to minimize that too. But they are, I, I will say, uh, I love heated floors. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Sort of, I, I, don't, I don't have them personally, but I've, I've been to houses that do and yeah, they is, are so always, nice. Yeah. Yeah, if if it's winter, we come downstairs and we go to yeah. the the kitchen, and we're on our. We don't wear any any sneakers or anything. It's amazing yeah. that you have a warm floor and warm feet. <laughs> it's oh, it's awesome. so nice. <laughs> my, my my parents have some in there in one of their bathrooms, and uh, just because it, it gets really cold uh, on yeah. on indeed it's, for it's the in bathroom the we have it too. Yeah, it's cool. And it's it's like I showered there when they first moved in. I uh, I was just helping them move in, whatever. So I was just staying there, and I, I got in and I showered, and I was like, wow, this is so nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can promote it for sure. It's, uh, it's right. amazing. That's right. <laughs> I'm surprised that it's not energy efficient, though. Like that, that seems a bit of a. I, I mean, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of time to to get to a certain temperature. Uh, yeah, yeah. So okay, it, I, guess. It, I think they, yeah, they mentioned that it's one temperature per hour, something like that. That's a golden rule. Right. So um, yeah, that's why you need to have to keep it at a certain level because otherwise it's, it's very difficult to regulate. Yeah. Yeah. it's 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 one of those things it's literally just a heated coil yeah right so it's you can only get so efficient with you know heating a wire or heating a coil of some kind right so i think i think and, and maybe maybe technology has changed since my parents put that in um but you know i i, I doubt it uh, that's <laughs> a stupid a tube so it's with water what water going through so oh, you have yeah, several systems yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, Glenn, so how are you driving home assistant now? I know you mentioned before that you've, since, you know, being able to integrate your Amazon Echo devices and all that, is that you primarily using voice? Have you got tablets around the house or anything fancy? Uh, so, uh, yeah, just to be clear, we, we don't have any Amazon things of Google. Sorry. So, yep. <laughs> no, no, no problem. So, we, we only um, have some uh, iPhones and uh, iPads from Apple. Cool. Mm -hmm. So, we, uh, especially for the... For the kids and my wife, they drive it through that because it's easy. The home kit integration is awesome with Home Assistant. Yeah, uh, it's even um, been made better since one one five, I guess. Um, so everything that's now in my Home Assistant uh, setup uh, will be ported over to Home Kit, and everyone in the house just uses that. And then depending on who's doing it, um, they'll use Siri uh, to talk to it. Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, it's mostly me. <laughs> I always shout <laughs> sure. around, like, <laughs> do this, do that. And uh, the kids more toggle more, so they're just doing their thing on their phones. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so uh, that are that. That's the main uh, things uh, for me. I also use the Home Assistant web interface a lot. Because mainly because of my job, I'm always behind a PC, so then it's just easy to open that. And I also have the companion app on my iPhone, and that's always been amazing also. Yeah. So are you set up with the HomeKit integration that I'm, I haven't used HomeKit myself, I'm an Android user, so is your Home Assistant set up in that it is a HomeKit controller, I'm guessing, that it then broadcasts your entities out through to the iOS devices to control? 
true. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So all the lightings are now available, um, mm -hmm. grouped. Right. Uh, and like I said, the bathroom fan is now available. Uh, recently, I, uh, I also integrated an ESP8266 to my uh, garage. Nice. Um, uh, and that's integrated in Home Assistant. And because Home Assistant uh, knows that thing, we can now also put it into HomeKit. And um, now I can shout to my iPhone to open the garage door. So that's a, that's a, <laughs> there's been a, an eye-opener that you can just drive up to the garage and just shout to your car. Yeah, because we yes. have Apple uh, Apple car also. Yeah. So we can shout to it. Yeah, open the garage and then it goes open. So Th there's yeah. a whole lot of yelling that's going on. Yeah, in indeed. I, 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 I like to yell. <laughs> <laughs> I love Siri, to be honest. So, yeah. Yeah, so we, we do use that a lot. And also with the, with the very sure uh, alarm. So now we can also... Uh, unlock it through uh, voice commands if your uh, iPhone is unlocked. So uh, ah, yeah, that's cool. amazing. So that's the barrier, of course. You, if you talk to your iPhone, you can send it commands for Siri if it's locked. So, but like an alarm, uh, Apple uh, says no. Your phone first needs to be unlocked before that command goes through. So there's yeah. an extra oh, barrier. Yeah, yeah and that's nice. And the kids love that. So they don't have any. Uh, keys anymore for the house they come to the garage put off the alarm open the garage all through commands and then go in <laughs> that's amazing oh that's that's, that's nice. actually really cool yeah. so yeah. that way they don't they, they're gonna not gonna lose their keys down the drain no, no they so don't have to worry the about it anymore the only problem if it if the wi-fi goes down then we have a issue it's it's so so <laughs> I, it's it's so funny because what happens now is so i, I i've tr kind of gotten to that state so my my car now has an app for it whatever so that i can use oh, to cool. uh, uh open close whatever so i just need to take my phone with me and and i got a i think i mentioned this on one of the older episodes but i got a I got a kivo uh mm. lock which okay. is which is bluetooth okay. based as well yeah um, it's, it's not, it's not the greatest. Um, I'll be the first one to tell you that it is very <laughs> slow. Um, but, but whatever it works eventually. Right. So, but now it's gotten to the point eventually. and then, yeah. And then, and then it's gotten to the point, but I realized so, cause I don't have a garage door and a front door. I just have a front door. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was like, and, and I guess I got a back door, but I'm not going all the way around the back no. of the house. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, okay, great. This is awesome. I don't need keys and everything. And I was like, crap, what happens mm. if my Kivo battery dies? <laughs> <laughs> right and uh so then i what quickly if your phone battery dies more to the point yeah well, same and, issue and, and and that too right i mean I, I can always charge my phone in the car worst case True. right and uh and but i'm just like oh man so then now now i've i've gone back to just carrying i don't i don't pull it out ever but i've carried carrying an extra set of keys in my uh yeah well, on, on my person, I guess, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, or I'll like hide it somewhere or whatever. And yeah, you need to buy one of those fake rocks that you can actually just put keys inside and hide yeah. in your garden somewhere. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody knows that that's a fake rock <laughs> at this point. Oh, nice rock, roll, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have one awkwardly placed rock here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> I, I don't think those things work anymore. <laughs> No, we don't do that. No, no, but but it it is it is still a really nice feeling to just not have to reach for your keys every time. So I, I completely mm. get that one, Glenn. That was the point of what I was trying to say. But yeah, 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 yeah. Since uh, we have it, it's it's being used each day. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it a lot. Yeah, and that all all thanks to Home Assistant to be for sure because it, mm -hmm. because otherwise I would never have known ESP Home to exist. And I would mm -hmm. never have known that you could easily wire up those ESP32s or 8266. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's just one click, upload your file, 
and it does what you want to do. It's, and of course, we buy everything on AliExpress, so <laughs> it's sure. dirt cheap. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two euros or, or, or two dollars for a, for a sensor, it's amazing. It might so. take a month to get to you, but of course, and I don't mind because no, I don't yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah, hey, when you're saving this much, I'll 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 wait an extra fifteen days, yeah. whatever. And then in the month's time, you've forgotten about it. And then you go, ooh, what presents have I got yeah. in the mail? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's happened to me on several occasions too. So. <laughs> Only the, the scheme of it is not so good, I, I think, because I, if I'm not mistaken, it's because of the China is actually helping companies uh, with their transport fees. So that's why it's so dirt cheap, because they want to be oh, the, right. the major... Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, the major com uh, country in the world to to have such uh, demand, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it, it's uh, always in dubio to to do it, but mm. yeah, it's very yeah. cheap. So no. sorry. So, some some just got to give somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so from a from a presence perspective, um, I know you mentioned you guys, uh, you and your family all have iOS devices. Um, so what uh, what kind of stuff are you doing uh, in that sense? Yeah, so for for my wife and I, we uh, installed the companion app. Um, mm -hmm. It has been our main drive for a GPS location. Okay. Uh, so we have two zones, uh, our working zones uh, and then the home zone. And then depending on if one or the other isn't at home, if the kids come at home, we get a notification. Uh, I know it's a little bit big brother, <laughs> but on the <laughs> other hand, they're still... They're still young and they're yeah. driving with their with their bikes themselves. So it's always reassuring yeah. that we get a small notification. Yep, the kids are home. So yeah. that would, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. So we don't follow the kids with the companion app. So we don't follow the GPS tracking. But uh, as soon as they're, they always carry their iPhones. You know, kids, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're completely yeah. into everything on their phone. So as soon as they uh, come onto my Unify Wi-Fi, um, because of the integration with Home Assistant, I get a notification if I'm not at home, if my wife is not at home. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that's the main driving force there. And then also I have a guest network set up through the Unify network uh, with no pass key. And a lot of people, when they come into my home, uh, they automatically connect to that. So that's nice. <laughs> so yeah. all those devices are also visible. So if now the cleaning lady leaves the, ho the house, also the Unify uh, within knows this. And then we, if we're not at home, I can uh, I get a notification for that and I can put on my alarm. So she doesn't have to know the alarm uh, key anymore. So the, the pin code. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah, so depending, I, it, it doesn't matter which uh, cleaning lady comes. As soon as the they're... <laughs> mobile phone is detected I, I can get the notification and trigger the alarm myself oh, that's amazing so how do you know if what, what's stopping me from being the cleaning lady on that day and just putting my phone on your network how do you know oh, because who's th that's true that's true so th the first time I wouldn't know so the first time if you come into our house and you connect mm -hmm. you, you have to connect of course if you don't connect yes, to your yeah. Wi-Fi I don't know but then each uh, device will have its MAC address and a name mm -hmm. and then as soon as I have the MAC address I know okay that's a device I want to track and then uh, I put it in Home Assistant, and then I know when it's leaving from the network, and then I know. Mm. Yeah. So with the cleaning lady, I know if it's that time and the device is uh, disconnected, then I know she's out of the house, and then I put out the alarm. Yeah. 
Yeah. You just better hope she doesn't get a new phone without telling you. Right? Yeah. The first day, if she gets a new phone, I wouldn't know. But the next day, I would know because if she connected to the Wi-Fi, <laughs> yeah. I can see the MAC address again and see the name. So, yeah. Well, I was I was going to say too because now uh, <laughs> iOS 14 has a lot of uh, a lot more privacy features in that mm. sense, right? Um, where they do like uh, randomization of your MAC address and things like that. Okay. Uh, cool. They've kind of they've done it for a while with the Bluetooth radios, but yeah. uh, on on the Wi-Fi radios now. And 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 just maybe it didn't in, yeah it wouldn't work anymore yeah it, it'll it'll work but it's just it might just change right for that first yeah. time but uh, it's it's I know being in having you know being pretty in the industry and and whatnot and dealing with retail customers that rely on this kind of stuff for essentially data mining uh, oh, yeah, customers yeah, and stuff yeah. it's it's causing a huge stir up right where because <laughs> uh, because a lot of people are very concerned about this right both both retailers that are trying to gather this information as well as um, vendors and such as well. Yep. So yep. there's yep. there that, that uh, actually does make for an interesting, uh, interesting time. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to know. Um, yeah. At least the, the naming, the naming of the phone is also ported. So I don't know if yeah. that stays the same then maybe because the I, alias of the device is also being shown in Unify. Uh, so yeah. I don't know I, how they I, I get that, but that's also available. So yeah. Yeah. To maybe because if I'm not mistaking that the the actual device tracker that's being created in Home Assistant is actually using that name and not the MAC yeah. address. You can see the MAC address, but it's using the naming convention. Mm. So yeah, maybe then that it should be fine. Yeah, yeah hopefully. The yeah. I know because when I tried it at home, I I had mine because you can do it on a per SSID basis now. Okay, um, cool. Both of them actually showed up on. Uh, I, I I use Meraki at home. And uh, both of them actually showed up as the same device name. So it showed up okay, as like cool. Rohan's iPhone or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and I got two entries for that, right? Just because two separate Mac addresses is what they index on. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, again, a heads up for, for yourself and, and I guess anybody else that's listening that's using um, uh, Mac addresses as, as you know, an, an indicator of Yeah, it's good to know. Presence. I didn't know that they want to change that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 and it's done more for privacy because if I go to, let's say I go to retailer yeah. A and I join in their Wi-Fi and I go to retailer B, I really don't want, I want a unique at Mac address per retailer. So what happens is it still stays per SSID. So oh, okay, let's cool. say if they come back to more, let's say they come with a new address and they come back, it'll stay the same. But if they... Uh, go somewhere else like if they go from your house to my house as an example it'll be a separate different mac address that it shows oh, me cool. than it shows you yeah it's probably oh, probably way deeper than we needed to get into for that, for that. but <laughs> no but, it's, it's quite interesting to be honest I yeah yeah <laughs> yeah just so just just so you're aware as well just uh and and i guess for anybody else listening if, if there is a reliance on mac address uh for for that so you might notice it some might be awkwardness. Um, good for people that might have multiple homes you know like a summer home or a holiday house yeah that you know if they're running multiple instances and they're expecting to have the same mac address for their phone you know from exactly one house yeah. to the next house that could be an issue. Exactly. There, there is a way. So if you go into the, if you go in, once you're joined, if you go in and uh, you can actually turn off, if you go into that uh, wireless network, you can actually turn off the randomization per SSID. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and in the end, we also have the the door sensors. So yeah. even even though if I don't know if she physically uh, left the Wi-Fi, I still know when the door is being open and closed if I'm yeah. not at home. So do they have a key that they still use or are you just purely relying on their phone? So for the moment, uh, uh, because of when she starts uh, cleaning, we're still in the in the house. So the only mm-hmm. thing uh, is that if she leaves, we're not at home, uh, typically right. because then we're okay. at work. So for me, that was the only 
trigger I needed to know when when does she yeah, leave? Right. Yeah. Just yeah. lock the door behind her, kind of thing. Yeah, and that's everything that she needs to do. And uh, yeah, perfect. But uh, what what kind of lock do you use, just out of curiosity? How do you mean what lock? No, we, like, like, we don't have special locks at our, our our door. So like I said, we we only have an alarm system uh, oh, with so uh, door sensors. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. only. That's why I needed to have the notification that she leaves the house because she doesn't have to need a pin code for the alarm. And then I just okay. trigger it. Yeah, that's okay, all. Okay, okay, so, got it. So the, actually the front door won't be strictly fully locked, but the alarm is armed, so yeah. Excellent. So now a cat burglar just needs to come in, open up the front door and go and be like James Bond. That's right. Missing all your motion sensors. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> So what are your favorite automations apart from your your cleaning lady automations that you've got? Do you have any other favorite automations that you're really impressed that you've done with Home Assistant? Yes, actually the, the small things are, are mostly the best things, I guess, is mm. because it's, yeah. it, it, it gets the friction away from things that are annoying. Um, so one of the things that we found out was that um, when I bought a new uh, receiver from Deno a few years back, um, because it was an uh, AirPlay receiver, I could stream uh, Spotify to it. And I do that a lot. Uh, so if we're at home and downstairs, I just play music from it. Yep. But it's set at a certain volume, of course. And then in the evening, you want to see some television or, or the other way around to somebody's on some television I want yeah. to play some music so the main volume just stays of course and then depending on which stream that you do um, especially for movies we the, the volume has to be much higher so the next day if I, if I play yeah. music then <laughs> music blasting way too, way too loud <laughs> and everybody's awake so uh, so what I do is then just listen for the source list uh, in my dinner receiver if it toggles to a certain source, so like Spotify, it will uh, sh use a, a condition to see if it's above a certain volume. If so, mm -hmm. then I just set the volume down um, if needed. So that, that are the, the small things, neat. but you don't have to worry about anything anymore and just do your thing, what you want to do, and the receiver will just put the correct volume if needed. So that's amazing. I love that. I, that's awesome. I, 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 I love just simple... Like, like not, yeah. I, I wouldn't say that's a simple automation. Just li little things that just you know kind of enhance your your daily experience, right? To me, that that's what automation's about. So that 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 one's really nice. I really like that one. But. Indeed, yeah. And the other one that that's also been a big plus for us is that uh, sometimes you know, we're just people, of course. That we go to sleep, we put on the alarm. Next day we wake up, we come down. Yeah, we forgot the light in the in that room. Yeah, we forgot the light in that yeah. room. <laughs> so it always happens. So because of the fact that the alarm system is now solely home system, I could just monitor also that state. And if it goes to sleeping mode, I just turn off all the lighting downstairs. So it's just like I said, the little things that make the big difference. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 And then in the end, I I've been toying around with programming those ESPs. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, the garage door opener was also a big plus. And the other thing, we have uh, a water softener at home. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a, a big bucket where you put in salt tablets. Mm -hmm. And then each night, uh, the water is being passed through to soften the, the water. Uh, and yeah, for sure, I always forgot to put in new tablets. <laughs> so <laughs> it could have been weeks that it didn't, that it, did a job, but actually not softening the water <laughs> because yeah. there were no salt tablets. So I put in a, a distance sensor um, with an ESP and now it's oh, uh, in a home okay. assistant and I can see 
how much salt tablets are still in the bucket. So oh, that's cool. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> yeah. was going to ask about that because I was like, do you do by weight? Do you do by whatever? But a distance no, it's just a great a, way to... it's just a distance sensor. Yeah, that's like, really yeah. cool. <laughs> I'm going to ask a really... Um, basic question why what is softening water oh okay so if you're if you're oh damn now i need to know all the english words of course <laughs> <laughs> i'll help you along the way okay so if you're at a certain area in your in in where you live uh, mm-hmm. all water coming into your house is different so mm-hmm. there there's more uh, as you, it's calcium calcium uh, and uh, chlorine i think is uh, yeah. two things and i think it's, it's especially the calcium that gives off residue at your taps. Right. So the okay. white residue that you get there, uh, but it also annoys with your washers. <laughs> Clean. Yep. Yep. So of course. Um, and if you put in a water softener, so a little device that uh, uh, sits between the water supply and your uh, mm. utilities, uh, you wouldn't have that much issues. So even for your ironing machine, it's not good uh, because yep. you need special water and stuff like that. So th- that machine resolves those problems. Yeah. If you put in salt, of course. If you forget that, it won't work. <laughs> it's not going to do anything. Yeah. Well, exactly. Right. So, so it, it's actually so my my the house that I grew up in, my my parents' old house. Um, that one, it, like when we bought the house, it came with uh, it came with a water softener. We're like, oh. That was the first time any of us were like, uh, what's this? What's this? <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, just add salt every couple of months, and you're fine. And we're like, yeah. salt. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> it's amazing. Right. And and uh, and uh, it was yeah. It, it but yeah. That, that's that's actually a great explanation of it, Glenn. That where basically it just it. Uh, so even, even I don't know I don't know if you found this, but even when you like shower and things like that, like you add soap uh, and 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 you scrub, and essentially it it just feels like there's just more um, soap than there actually is. That was, I, I still remember as a kid, I was like, uh, is the soap not going off of me? Like, what's what's going on here? And uh, but but basically, yeah, it just it just removes that. They they call it hardness in the water, hardness, right? So yeah, like, yeah. so if you wash like a glass cup as an example, or, or if you, I guess if you glass cup, if you wash a glass and uh, and you know you let it to dry and you come back and you see there's like white water spots on it, that's a really good indication of harder water, right? So wow. this okay. uh, basically what it, the salt just ionizes it and then drops it down and and you run the water True. through it, yep. essentially, through it and, and uh, it removes a lot of that calcium. Yep. Today I learned. It's basically, actually, to, to it's mostly for the appliances that they that they lo- can live longer because of the fact yeah. that there's you know, not a lot of... Yeah, so like dishwashers, washing yep. machine, and yep. all that. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If so, Depending on where you live, you may or may not. Of course. Like, yep. Where I am now is water's actually not bad, so we don't have one, but... Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and lastly... Um, the thing I like also is that um, I, and I built a small um, uh, watch for my desk, also triggered with an ESP, um, and it, it's, it has a, a small matrix yeah. with LEDs, um, a max uh, 7219, uh, five of them combined. Okay. Um, and uh, because of the ASP, I have, I have a, a small web server running on it that uh, allows REST commands. And for the moment, I, I can show it to uh, weather forecast and my clock. And uh, in Home Assistant, I, I now have buttons to trigger that. So that's amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's where awesome. where is that? Sorry? That's in your garage? 
No, it's on my desk. At, uh, oh, uh, nice. It's a small thing. I, I think I sent you the, the pictures you, to you yes, guys. Yes, yes. Yeah, we'll yep. So it's a small, yeah. a small cubicle uh, of wood with, with the LEDs in it. Um, yep. And it's sitting on my desk and, uh, beside cool. my computer. And uh, well, this is it's nice. Just triggering those small things from Home Assistant is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is really neat. Wicked. Um I think that's really all we had for today. Um, any yeah. anything anything to close off on, Glenn? Or well, actually, maybe this. <laughs> I have something. I, I try to follow Home System a lot, and I follow yeah. you guys. <laughs> you're, a, you're a good br- source of information. Thank you. Uh, but it seems that, that that the guys from Home System are taking it more and more professional. Good for us because a lot of features come in, but I can't follow anything anymore. It's it's like the releases are so fast behind. <laughs> it's like in the early days we could wait a few things, toy around with stuff, and now it's like every two weeks I have to learn something new. <laughs> I go into my settings and see like, damn, what did they change now? <laughs> like yeah, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's uh, something isn't isn't showing anymore in Lovelace? What <laughs> what do I need to change now and stuff like that? So, for me, they're going quite fast lately. <laughs> it's like. Uh, if it would be nice if they slowed down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's good and good and bad, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's amazing it's, it's that a lot of things come progress, in, but still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard to keep up. It's, I mean, I think I think they're aiming for that, um, just that point where they can minimize the breaking changes and things like that. Mm. I think I think yeah. that's the that's yeah, of the course. thing, yeah. right? And yeah, it's true. Um, new new features are whatever you you don't have to use them right no, but uh but the breaking changes i think are just mostly what's important for yeah. kind of daily continuing operations if you want to call it that yeah and besides your your podcast uh, from you guys i also follow now zach uh, barrett he, yes. he started picking up uh, those youtube uh, videos from the new features yeah, he does a lot and, of work on the uh, yeah he does a lot of the ui yeah. work on it yeah um, and those are also amazing because then you actually see what he's explaining and uh yeah yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. a great pro tip for new people that uh, want to get into it i guess yeah. yeah definitely i guess and that's also the problem with open source right like if it home assistant doesn't move fast enough people won't be interested to keep in getting involved and also you slow true. it down you know people will lose interest <laughs> yeah. then if you go too fast you yeah it's a it's a balancing act so i, I get where you're coming from yeah. yeah all right well glenn thank you so much for taking the time out of your weekend to talk to us today we really appreciate it thank you guys thank you for having me it was awesome cheers, cheers thank you so much. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.